Welcome to the Kaleidoscope, healthcare in a diverse America, from molecule to market, with your host, Sheila Thorne. Each episode highlights healthcare leaders and patients of color to discuss culturally, linguistically appropriate strategies and services. You can find this show on all major platforms, including YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our website, SheilaThorne.com. Now here's the host of The Kaleidoscope, Sheila Thorne. Hello. If you're in healthcare, you undoubtedly have been talking a lot about health equity. That's the phenomenon that healthcare professionals are now struggling with it, which means that everyone should have the opportunity to achieve their optimal health. Is that elusive? Is that aspirational or is it real? We need to think about that because as far as communities of color are concerned, we wonder whether we can ever achieve health equity, especially when we're facing on a daily basis, systemic, institutional and structural racism. In my opinion, we have clearly jumped over health disparities. In 2000, the government agenda was to eliminate racial and ethnic disparities. In 2010, it was to reduce racial and ethnic disparities. And in 2020, healthcare 2020, it's now justice and equity in healthcare. That's a very different conversation. When you put justice and you put equity together, that speaks to the pervasive and persistent discrimination, prejudice, and racism that people of color experience in this country. We all are familiar with February as Black History Month. We all perhaps understand that Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month is in May, and then there's Hispanic Heritage Month in September. But very few are even aware that we have a month dedicated to Native Americans, Alaska Natives, and indigenous populations. And unfortunately, because we don't know that this month exists, or the majority that I speak to don't know it exists, we know very little about Native American culture. November is Native American Heritage Month. And it's a time when we want to pause and we want to think about and celebrate the history, the culture, the tradition of America's real, true Americans. But what about health equity with Native Americans? Why should we be concerned about these indigenous populations who were here long before any of us came on the scene? In my experience, pharmaceutical companies, healthcare organizations, healthcare professionals know very little about the Native American, American Indian community. That is why it's my honor to present on Kaleidoscope two people from a tribe right in the neighborhood of New York City who focuses on Native American culture and heritage. I've had the privilege of working in this community. I've worked with one of the leading representatives of the Cherokee tribe. I've worked with leading tribal leaders in the Navajo nation. And I've had the pleasure over the last two years of working with the Shinnecock nation, the Shinnecock territory, right in Long Island, New York City. So as I've said from the very beginning, this is not about just a bunch of cultural facts and interesting history about these groups. It's about culture. It's about understanding the learned behaviors, understanding the traditions, celebrating the culture and how this community has enriched our American culture. So we're going to talk about the Native American community and this month was designate, designated for us to do that. You may not know this, but there are almost 600 
500 tribal nations in America. The exact number is 574 federally recognized tribes. There are about 400 unrecognized tribes, and these tribes are eligible for services and uh, opportunities for this community to take charge and control of their health. But because of the systemic racism, because of the prejudice, and because of the lack of understanding of this culture, this definitely makes sure that we cannot ignore this population. If we really want to strive health equity for that all Americans can have access to quality care, we definitely need to know more about this group. And partnerships are the key to success. Culture is learned, culture is shared, culture is transmitted, values, beliefs, norms, and the life ways of designated groups. So it's not just a series of factual, interesting factoids. It's more about cultural competency, how we respond to those differences. We've gone way beyond cultural sensitivity. We now need to take action about how to engage this delightful group of Americans and what they contributed to not only American history, but American culture itself. To start the conversation, I am honored to bring on board my first guest. Her name is Ayana Smith. While we're waiting, I'm hoping that many of you who are living in different parts of the United States may know of some tribal nations in your area. Uh, they're scattered all over the United States and 47 cont states contigu contiguous in the United States. So you may not know it, but there may be some tribes in your backyard and hopefully we can help you to appreciate what they contribute to your, nature, your culture and your neighborhood. This is a, a group that definitely has suffered tremendously from the moment they stepped foot on U.S. soil in 1609, and unfortunately ravaged by disease, ravaged by poverty, pushed off of their land. All of these things have contributed to the poor health of many in these Native American tribes. And that's what we have to give uh, attention to. But we must understand culture. We must connect with the relationships of key tribal leaders, tribal nurses, uh, physicians as well. There is even an American Association of American Indian Physicians based out of Oklahoma. So there are groups that we can connect with to help us better understand this culture. Well, here's Ayana. Let me tell you a little bit about Ayana. Uh, she's a licensed clinical social worker. She's a descendant of extensive line of tribal government leadership and tradition bearers. For the past 15 years, she has definitely focused on the health and wellness of the native community. And she has been one of the leaders who culturally inform others about native American culture. She grew up in the Shinnecock Nation, uh, her family, Shinnecock Nation, mother and father. So she's definitely been groomed in terms of tribal behavior and as a licensed clinical social worker, a specific interest in health. She has facilitated groups, something about talking circles, which I want her to share with the audience is one of the ways to engage, the, to engage this population. She's created a healing forest or a community of wholeness and well-being based in the richness of the tribal culture. Welcome, Ayana, to the Kaleidoscope. Thank you, thank you for having me, Sheila. Yes, let me start with a question for you, Ayana, since you are a healthcare professional or a healthcare extender, um, why is Native American Heritage Month important for the country to acknowledge? Um, I think Native American Heritage Month is important because Native Americans are often considered an invisible race, right? Mm -hmm. There, you know, there is not, we are one of the smallest populations in the country. However, we were here first. 
Mm. And a lot of the reason why our population is so small is due to the historical trauma that mm. has occurred on the soil to eliminate and continuously eliminate our population. Uh, when the country acknowledges the tribal peoples, they acknowledge whose land they stand upon, whose land this country was built upon. And there's plenty of people out there that don't want to acknowledge the fact that we still exist and hold claim to that territory. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's important for us to um, acknowledge Native American History Month, because uh, it brings light and visibility to um, the population that is here. Well, tell me a little bit more about that trauma. As a mental health professional, I know you do a number of work in the on the reservation with families and youth and mothers. Uh, tell me about that trauma. Sure. So, um, so the Shinnecock Nation specifically is what we call um, uh, early contact population. So our contact with the settlers was early in the 1600s. Mm -hmm. And the majority of our population was was uh, destroyed a lot because we were not, um, we didn't have immunities to the diseases that were brought over. Um, with our bodies being weak, uh, a lot of us um, perished and then struggled with our health. So our health mm -hmm. has been an issue uh, facing tribal peoples since that initial onset. Yes. Um, there were tactics that were done to um, break down the community purposely, mm -hmm. um, whether it was through forced indebtedness, mm. whether it was through the introduction of alcohol, whether it was through harassment, whether it was through enslavement. All of these things were tactics that were meant to destroy our population so that we would um, no longer hold claim to the land. And so that continued throughout the course of history. Um, so that started with us, those, those yeah. tactics were then perfected and mm -hmm. um, used as a model in the Indian boarding schools mm -hmm. that was uh, it was a uh, it was in the eight, late 17 early 1800s mm -hmm. where we were the boarding schools were stripping tribes of their mm -hmm. ways of living their culture their practices mm -hmm. um, their ways of knowing and they were uh, molested sexually abused physically abused mm -hmm. um, just trying to rip the essence um, there was a, a, a an idea of uh, kill the Indian to save the man was the current mm -hmm. was the thought process. And, and so and who was doing this, Ayana? Who was doing this? You said they perfected these tactics. Oh, so actually the, the main person was uh his name was Platt. Mm -hmm. And uh he was a general, General Platt. Um, and it was happened through the churches. Oh, interesting. That's interesting. Tell me about some of the unique healthcare issues and concerns by disease state or condition. What are some of the things that disproportionately affect native country? Sure. Well, we recently did a community health assessment in the Shinnecock Nation, and it was interesting that one of the top health concerns was mental health. That mm -hmm. scored the highest um, in of concern within our community. But followed by that was really the issue of diabetes, uh -huh. especially as it relates to obesity and weight. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that part of that has to do with our inability to have access to um, healthy, uh, healthy foods mm -hmm. and our traditional diet. Again, that's a, also a part of that trauma is um, 
we're not having access to the foods that our traditional diet once was that maintained our health. Mm -hmm. um, and we know diet is so important as it relates to mental health, diabetes, cancer. We have a lot of cancer in our community as well. Mm -hmm. um, and dental issues. Dental issues as well. Well, I know the values of the native country are very pervasive. In other words, respect for one another, respect for elders, respect to, for the environment, living simply, being humble, being generous. These are all lifestyle uh, values that I know are very deeply involved in the Native American community. Has that been what has sustained the population, the resilience, the strength and the, um, uh, the fortitude of the group? Yeah, I think our sense of togetherness, um, there's something that we talk about in our community. The two rules in our community is common sense and compassion mm -hmm. um, or common sense and courtesy. Mm -hmm. And as long when when things fall apart, as long as we can fall back on that sense of common sense and courtesy, treating each other with respect, yes. being able to um, support each other when times get difficult has definitely been our strength and resiliency. Wonderful. Is it easy for outsiders to come into native country or in the Shinnecock tribe? Is it no? Easy? Why isn't that easy? Uh, we are very protective. You know, we're a sovereign nation and there's many la uh, layers uh, of complexity within our nation. Um, and so you really need to um, know the gatekeepers. Uh -huh. However, that is changing, um, especially because the, the highway, the access to our territory um, is been very developed recently. And so there has become a greater awareness. Um, I know you're gonna have Lance on who yes. um, initiated getting um, the, the signs on the highway as an economic development opportunity. And that has brought a lot of light and awareness to the Shinnecock community as well. So that is changing, but access is, is certainly um, a process. Well, there are several stereotypes with native country as well as with blacks, Latinos, and Asians. So this kind of pervades communities of color. Anytime there's a group that looks different, they somehow make up issues. The ones you hear a lot about are alcoholism, uh, Native Americans being lazy, government dependent, not trustworthy. And you've just dispelled all of those myths because of the resilience and the courage and the strength of the community. So when we become culturally competent, we have to definitely dismiss those stereotypes that unfortunately make companies reluctant to reach out to the community. Uh, tuberculosis, alcoholism, obesity, the human accident, suicide, highest rate of suicide of, of the youth groups, 15 and 24 Native American youth. That's disturbing. And so if we want to achieve health equity, we have to address that. But you know what, let's bring on Lance Gums and get his perspective because he is actively involved not only in Shinnecock, but in the nation. Let's bring Lance Gums to the stage. Hello, Lance. Good evening, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Lance Gums is actually one of the tribal leaders in the Shinnecock Nation and works along with Ayana on a number of initiatives. Now, Lance, is it true that your tribal name is Fierce Eyes? <laughs> yes, that is true. That and, and, and what does that actually mean? It was given to me by my grandmother um, as a baby, and that was something uh, I don't use it much because of political reasons and, and other reasons. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, where did you find that at? <laughs> well, you know, I try to do my homework too. <laughs> he, he who walks in two worlds. So <laughs> I hear that. Okay. So, 
but I want you to speak. Uh, Ayana's just given us kind of a snapshot of the uh, native country, but I know you have been a fierce advocate uh, and very prominently uh, positioned to help the Shinnecock tribe get their, their uh, federal designation registered. And so as vice president, the National Congress of American Indians of the Northeast region, tell me about the National Congress of American Indians. What is it? What do they do? Um, well, the National Congress is the oldest uh, American Indian organization. Uh, it was established back in 1944. Wow. And it was established to um, uh, advocate for tribes uh, keep in mind that that was the termination era. That was the uh, removal era that was going on in the country here. And, you know, what people don't know um, throughout our history, you know, this being Native American Month, yes. is that there been various eras throughout um, the colonization here. So, mm. you know, you have the removal era, you have the termination era, you have the extermination era. Mm. Um, you've had all of these different eras that have played a significant part in in all of our histories um across the country here uh and it obviously you know as ayana said so eloquently we're a first contact tribe yes so we've been dealing with this for over 400 years mm. uh, and so we have a different type of a history than a lot of the tribes west of the mississippi mm -hmm. you know you're of the big name tribes the the apache and the sioux and mm -hmm. you know you rarely hear of the shinnecock or the mm -hmm. narragansett or the, the the smaller tribes that we're here in the in the Northeast, mm -hmm. but um, you know we're here. Uh, we have remained um, in our ancestral territories mm -hmm. uh, and on our lands, and you know that is a significant achievement, you know, in itself. Yes, that we're able to do that, you know, through the whole colonization and all of those eras uh, that have affected uh, Indian country as a whole. Well, tell me about Shinnecock. Where exactly is it? How large is the reservation? And and where do you sit? Um, well, we don't give the numbers out about how large we are uh, the, in terms of the territory. Mm -hmm. um, technically, all of it is our territory. Um, it was all stolen from us in various sure. points, 1703, mm -hmm. uh, deed, 1859, another portion was stolen. So what technically should be ours is all of um, the middle part of eastern Long Island here, uh -huh. um, from Brookhaven to the East Hampton town line. Wow. Uh, that was our Aboriginal territory. And then everywhere else was considered our Aboriginal roaming territory, which is a little bit different mm -hmm. where we, where we would go um, and meet with, you know, the other tribes, uh, the other 13, well, 12 tribes on Long Island, there's 13 of us all together. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, but in, in terms of our community here, you know, um, I think Ayana said it best, you know, we're resilient. We've managed to survive. Yes. Uh, you know, for this this time amongst all of this opulence and wealth. Yes. I mean, we, you know, there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy. Yes. The wealthy pay the salaries of the rich. And mm. we have some of the wealthiest people on the planet, you know, in, in our community here. And yet, you know, we are the forgotten people. Mm. Uh, in the 19, uh, in the 2010 census, 60% of our people were below the poverty level. Mm. So, you know, even though we live amongst all this wealth and opulence, you know, it has been difficult to um, bring our standards up to just normal standards of living. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's been a fight. And, you know, one of the things that we've noticed is how corporate America itself doesn't seem to recognize, um, you know, tribal communities, huh. the potential 
that tribal communities have to work with them. Mm -hmm. uh, corporate America seems, and, and not only corporate America, but you know, philanthropy as a whole mm -hmm. um, seems to be looking everywhere else, you know, across the oceans at other countries and, mm -hmm. and other, other areas and not looking right here, you know, in the United States um, at, the, at the many tribes who are impoverished you know, you have some tribes um, out west that are literally almost, you know, third world conditions. Yes, yes. Uh, so it, it's 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 a difficult situation in terms of getting um, people to recognize that we're still here. Interesting. And and why do you think that is, Lance? Why is it that the corporate entities that may have the resources to help and support the community are reluctant to reach out? Well, you know, you named a few of the stereotypes um, yes. that were out there. And, and those stereotypes, I think, are very misleading. Um, because if you come into our community and you walk around in our community, you don't see that. That's right. You don't see those type of things. And so, you know, every single community, you know, in, in, in our wealthy, rich community here, you know, we have areas that have the same, same types of situations. Mm -hmm. They're not Indian. They're not Native American. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't hear about those because they're the so-called accepted communities. Mm -hmm. you know, our community, um, you know, we're looked at in, in a different way, in a different light. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, you mentioned earlier about the, the, um, the government, you know, and people think that these things that we get are handouts. That's so, right. They're not. Repatriations mm -hmm. for the lands for the atrocities that have been committed you know against us mm -hmm. um, for the uh, the illnesses that we have acquired you know when they brought the smallpox over and the, and the yes. blankets and all of these things mm -hmm. um, what that what these funds are that tribes are getting um, as part of the trust responsibility that the federal government has to the 574 federally recognized mm -hmm. tribes mm -hmm. is repatriations. Yes. Spoken. You know, it's the unspoken. The unspoken. Yes. And how long did it take the Shinnecock? How long did it take the Shinnecock tribe to get their designation? It took us 32 years. We were the fourth tribe in 1978. Wow. And ironically, um, it's a two-year process. We should have been recognized in 1980, but after in 2010, when we were finally recognized, mm -hmm. docu a bunch of documents that came in, um, and in this we had four of the federal government for these documents. And when the documents came in, there was a handwritten note in the box that said the Shinnecock tribe, because we were the Shinnecock tribe at the time, not nation. Okay. Name to nation because we are a nation of people. Um, so the Shinnecock tribe is indeed a tribe and should be recognized expeditiously. And that was 1979. My goodness. So we should have been recognized in 1980. Mm -hmm. and was their internal memos at the Bureau of Indian Affairs, but people failed to realize that, or don't remember that the BIA or Bureau of Indian Affairs as it's known now, was mm -hmm. one department of war against tribes. Wow. So, um, you know, as they say, a leopard doesn't change its spots. Well, mm -hmm. I don't BIA has changed its spots much. Well, therein lies your advocacy and the fierce role that you have played in making sure that you're not forgotten. But, but Ayana, Indian Health Service, um, what role have they played in trying to help improve the quality of life and health of Native people? 
Um, well, I've spent time working in Indian Health Services throughout the country, and it's different in every Indian Health Services is administrated slightly differently. Mm -hmm. I would say it's definitely underfunded in the majority of territories. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have very limited access to health care. Fortunately, our Shinnecock Health Services is relatively well-funded. Okay. Um, however, it makes it very, uh, because we live in such a wealthy area, it makes it difficult for us to utilize that funding mm -hmm. because of the racism and the stigmas. A lot of the medical providers don't want to accept it as huh. a form of payment. Wow. So, um, so, you know, probably Indian Health Services is the primary um, healthcare payer for most of tribal communities as well as urban populations as well. Um, but each one is individual and 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 acts differently. So wow. it's hard to kind of um, it's not like a one universal payer system. Each um, each tribe, each designation administers it slightly differently. Yes, I read someplace that the uh, budget is five billion dollars, which sounds like a lot. But that spreads pretty thin when you have 575 of uh, 74 tribes to go to. It right. should be probably three or four times that, shouldn't it be, uh, Lance? Absolutely. And that's one of the things we continue to argue with Congress about, um, you know, is to make it instead of discretionary funding, which is what has happened uh, a lot. And so you're reliant upon the, um, you know, like right now, uh, the country is in, you know, uh, the, the situation where budget may not pass coming up in, in a couple of, um, couple of weeks, a week or so. Um, the, the problem is that Indian country's money is discretionary when it should mm -hmm. be mandatory. Exactly. And that's one of the things that we've been fighting for to have it be mandatory funding uh, in all of the avenues, uh, and especially in the healthcare lane. Because especially. Uh, like I said, it, it's grossly underfunded mm -hmm. uh, across the country when you're dealing with 574 tribes and, you know, have some tribes that are very small, um, com comparable to uh, tribes that have 400, 500,000 members. So, you know, there's right. a big, big difference. Absolutely a big difference. And these are taxpayer dollars, aren't they, Lance, uh, that they're making available, if you will? They are taxpayer dollars um, that uh, the taxpayers owe us. Okay, there you go. There you go. Now I'm going to get you in your advocacy voice. I hear it coming, Lance. I hear it coming. <laughs> I know you make you walk up and down those hills of Congress trying to make uh, those, these people aware of what's going on. Ayana, uh, what do you find? Uh, is it welcoming to have corporate entities, whether it's pharmaceutical companies or other entities, come in and support the work that you've been doing for so very long? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, it's all about respectful relationships and reciprocal relationships, right? Yes. Uh, we don't want anybody coming in and telling us what we should or should not do or mm -hmm. how to make healthcare decisions in our lives. But we are modern 21st century tribal people. And I think that as we continue to build bridges and um, work with corporations, I think it only can benefit our community if it's done in a respectful, reciprocal relationship. Absolutely. Lance, can you echo the same feeling? Well, I think she hit it on the, on the head. It's, it's about the mutual respect and um, these companies coming in and understanding um, the cultural differences mm -hmm. uh, that we have. Um, you know, we do things differently. You know, we don't react as quickly as corporate America would like us to react. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that goes to, you know, a long um, historic 
um, legacy of, of trauma mm -hmm. uh, and just being very careful. You know, yes. we've said yes to some things and didn't know what we were saying yes to, and then it ended up hurting us. Hurting so mm -hmm. at, at the end of the day, um, we like to be very careful with what we do, um, you know, and so we take measured steps uh, in allowing anyone to come into our communities. Um, but once you're in and, you know, you've broken bread with us, that's very important. Okay. Um, you know, to 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 sit with us, to, to eat with us, and there you go. You know, to be a part of the community, you know, that's where the acceptance comes in. We don't need fly by nights just coming in, you know, and oh here, you know, have this. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I did my good deed for the day. We want uh -huh. to build relationships. Relationships. That's the key to success for sure. And you're protective of your people. You're protective because they've been the victims of being mistreated and abused and exploited. So it's no wonder that uh, you are cautious about engaging that. So one last comment from you, Ayana. What do you want our listeners and our viewers to take away from this session about Native American Heritage Month and about Native country? I think it's important to recognize that we exist and we are active uh, part of American society. It's We are just always so invisible. Um, and I also think it's really important to understand that we are not just an ethnic group. We are individual sovereign nations with government to government relationships. Mm -hmm. And too many times people look at us as though we are just another ethnic minority and not understanding the sovereignty and the governments that we, that we have. And there's a really big difference between understanding who we are in, in, a, in a political sense mm -hmm. as opposed to an ethnic sense. Well said. And Lance, from your perspective, you're an entrepreneur, you're an advocate, you're an activist, you've been in this community, you protect the community. What would be your final word to those listening and watching? I think, you know, especially during this month, um, people need to recognize the major contributions mm -hmm. that we have made, you know, um, to this country. Um, everything from the United States Constitution, you know, the philosophy of our confederacies, you know, was paramount in the development um, and the implementation of the United States Constitution, which Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin and them visited uh, the Iroquois people upstate. Uh, they visited our Montauk people in our Montauk Confederacy down here, and it's highly documented. But there are so many, so much in history um other than us just being called savages mm. that know about us mm. um, our religion our religious practices we we didn't have the bible but we were spiritual people uh -huh. we gave thanks to everything we gave thanks to the four-legged ones the winged ones we mm. gave thanks to the water the air um so you know we understand the the value of the land mm. um we are stewards of the land. Yes. Um, when we watch all of this pollution and all of the, uh, uh, you know, so-called new era um, ways of bringing, uh, to cut down the carbon. Mm -hmm. Yes, you know, wind farms, for instance, you're going to cut down the carbon, you know, with the wind farms, but now you're going to hurt the waters, killing mm -mm -mm. the whales. So mm -hmm. there's so many things that um, we are a part of. Um, and I, I think that you know, as people go through this month, that they do their own research yes. and really start to dig deep into the fact that um, we're not just the, that so-called savage or the, the individuals that just have gaming and casinos. We are so much more mm -hmm. than gaming and casinos 
Um, we are, you know, the people, as we have called ourselves for hundreds of years. Um, we are Shinnecock, we are Apache, we are Navajo, we are, you know, Sioux. We are people. Yes. And uh, we have a vibrant and strong um, culture. And, you know, I hope that everybody will take advantage of this month and really take a look at, you know, the contributions that uh, we have made to this country. Absolutely. And I'll mention one more thing, and you probably know this history, Lance and Ayana, the Code Talkers, uh, the contributions that Native Americans made during the World Wars in terms of their language. Yes. Yeah, they, saved, they saved the World War II. You know, the Navajo Code Talkers, the Japanese could never break their code, um, their, their language, because all it was actually was the Navajo language. Uh -huh. You know, it wasn't a special or specific code, but they just, they could never break you know, the, uh, the Navajo language, and that was instrumental in winning World War II. Exactly. That's part of the history we have to delve into. Well, I have learned so much from both of you. I have enjoyed being with both of you. I had the privilege of attending my first powwow uh, a couple, uh, about a year and a half ago, and Ayana has done Talking Circles, which is the Native American way of sharing information and coming together, Ayana, and, and that's a viable entity to communicate health messages, is it not? Absolutely. Yes, yes. Well, both of you, I, I've enjoyed being on the res with you. I've enjoyed listening and getting your passion and your feeling. It's been an honor to be a part of the information about the Shinnecock Nation in particular, but the whole Native country as well. So uh, thank you for what you do. Uh, I'm with you. You know that. So clearly we have to get the message out that you are a people. You're not to be forgotten and not to be dismissed. So it was my privilege to have you to celebrate the first Native American Heritage Month for the Kaleidoscope. Thank you both very much. Thank you. You've been tuning into the Kaleidoscope, healthcare in a diverse America from molecule to market with your host, Sheila Thorne. You can find more episodes on all the major platforms, including YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our website, SheilaThorne.com. Thank you for your positive reviews, comments, questions, and for sharing this show with others.